Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. As always, I am your host, Nice One, and today I'm joined by the full panel of co-hosts. We have Jaden, who's back from his sabbatical, and uh, before we go any further, congratulations, man. You got married. Oh, yeah. That happened all the way back in October, but <laughs> uh, it takes a while to settle down. I didn't even have money or time to go on a honeymoon, and it's just its crazy. You, you, you move in, all of a sudden there's two people sharing the same space, trying to organize stuff, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a ride. Very different, but also very the same. It's a really weird thing, but uh, yeah, no thanks. It's no it's problem, been, man. Definitely, congratulations. Like this, it's good news, ladies and gentlemen. If you're joining the show, he got married. Send his, send his congratulations. But we also have series host, co-host, regular, the King Blues on deck. What's going on, man? My hair is ch- my head is like really chilly. I got like a haircut uh, last. The pre-prediction show, I got I got the beard shaved, and now I just I just got all my hair shaved, and I'm kind of chilly. Other than that, I'm really good. It almost looks like you went like full on mohawk over there. Basically, that's kind of what happened. You see, you get to my age, and it starts to thin really badly. So like every year, it gets shorter and shorter, and I'm like, man, I used to have like this full head of slick back Bruce Wayne style hair. I can't pull oh, yeah. it off anymore. All that oh, hair gel, I'm pretty sure that's what caused the thinning of my hair, but it is. I, I never use gel. Gel, like, product. The only thing I use is, like, a little bit of boost powder. That's, like, it. If I don't put product in my hair, it's a giant fro. Like, no no lie, it's just big, poofy fro. I look like I came out in 1972. Man, it's too bad we're not in the 70s because I know. you'd be rocking it. Well, my dad was. Big-ass, like, lapels and the platform oh, yeah. no, no, shoes. No, if you look at pictures of my dad... He had that with the bell bottom. We're getting off topic, though. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, yeah, I'm on the show. So, yeah, everybody's here, full panel. Uh, you know what happens when it's a full panel. We get a little wild, but still. So, anyway, guys, this past Thursday, we had a Pokemon Direct. Lots of pertinent information for Pokemon Sword and Shield, as well as a somewhat surprising remake announcement for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescuer, Rescue Team DX. So we're going to talk about that. We also have one story for our Powered Up news. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to say, dude, our predictions were way off base last episode. We got a couple things right. We got I got some, like, dates right. I got some, like, yeah. DLC stuff like, right. You said DLC. I said, you know, I want Mystery Dungeon or Ranger. Um, we so, got Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. You know? we'll, we'll get, we'll get, we we'll, thought for sure. We, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we'll talk about all the stuff. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll get into that when we talk about our actual, you know, topic. But for right now... We have our Powered Up News, and man, this story broke last week, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about it. Like, I feel like, yeah, it made it to every, like, Nintendo site, but, like, nobody's, like, talked about it in depth. Uh, nobody in the Nintendo world is really talking about it. I think more the PC side, but uh, during CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, which is the thing that used to be where, so CES is where E3 spun off from, so without e- CES, there'd be no E3. Um, right, yeah. Biggest consumer electronics show in the world. There are a bunch of smaller ones. This is the big man pajama. Uh, everybody wants to show off the best tech, and it's always in January. Uh, at least since the last like five or six years, they've done it in January, like the first week of January. Well, this year, Dell 
brought something new to the table. Uh, their Alienware UFO prototype was debuted at CES, and it is a Nintendo Switch clone, um, straight up. Now, we have some specs here, um, but if you just look at the design of this this monstrosity, that's what I'm going to call it. It's, a, it's definitely a monstrosity. Uh, you're going to get Nintendo Switch vibes. Uh, any thoughts on this while I go ahead and pull up the, the exact specs? Um, I'm a big fan. I'm just, I'm just leaving it there for now. I'm a, I'm a very big fan of this product. Yeah, you know, for me, I think that the, the fact that it's not really being talked about just shows that there's... It, it's not really there for them. There's no market for it, right? That that's it's kind of like the the Google Stadia. Like people make fun of the Google Stadia. It, it's meme worthy. That's about it. Um, and that's kind of the general uh, reception that I that I've been uh, seeing on the internets and the Twitterverse and whatnot. Although maybe it's just what I've been exposed to. But all in all, that's 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 where I think it's going to be right now. All right. So I, this. So I got some I got some of the specs, some of the stuff that's actually available to us because Dell didn't actually give out a ton of information. So this looks like a switch, but it's actually a full-on PC that will run Windows 10. Uh, and it's gonna be powered by a 10th generation Intel processor. In handheld mode, it's it has a 720p resolution, which is identical to what the Switch does uh, with its better looking games. Uh, I know a few games actually come in at like 600 uh, P and the, I think there's a game that like does 570, but still at its at its per peak performance in handheld, you're getting 720p with like 60 frames per second on the Switch. Uh, this thing will also dock. It has removable controllers just like the Joy Cons, uh, but they're supposedly more ergonomic. Now I've heard conflicting details as to whether or not some people like the feel. Uh, it compares to the Switch. Other people don't like the feel of it. Um, it's definitely bigger. It boasts an 8.1—I'm sorry, 8.1-inch touchscreen versus the Nintendo Switch's 6.2-inch. Uh, so it's a bigger handheld altogether, and it's much heftier than the Switch. Um, aside from that, there does come with a grip that you can slide the Joy Cons in. So we're going to call them Joy Cons just for brevity's sake, um, so that you have a form factor that's damn near identical to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and then you've got some cool little features like light-up analog sticks, which is really not important, but Dell decided that's something they want to do. Uh, it's got, like, full-on triggers that are supposedly a little too small for what the system is, considering it's a much bigger system. And the games that they have running on it, they, apparently they were able to run Mortal Kombat 11 and F1 2019. Um, so, yeah, this is a PC designed to look like a Switch. Now, my personal thoughts on this is, is I hope Dell gets sued. <laughs> Straight up, I hope Dell gets sued. This is outright plagiarism. How many times has Nintendo been sued for, you know, copyright infringement? This is a, this is 100% copyright infringement. From the tablet form factor to the sliding Joy-Cons to the placement of the buttons on each uh, bootleg Joy-Con, this is our playthrough. Now, Dell has said that this may never come to market, and that's kind of them, them their way of shielding themselves from a potential lawsuit. But you have to imagine that if the PC community is excited about this, uh, which 
a, looks like a good portion of people are within the PC community, that this will definitely come to market in some way, shape, or form. Now, the biggest difference is, is that the Switch is using a much simpler processor with the uh, NVIDIA uh, Tegra X6. Is what is that what it was? The Tegra I like X that. It might have been AMD one. I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I know it's the NVIDIA Tegra, but, but I can't remember if it's the X6 or the X2. It's one of those. Um, so, yeah, it's much more powerful, however. This is essentially a gaming PC with a handheld form factor. But, yeah, like, in theory, this is cool because it's a much more powerful system operating, you know, or functioning like the Switch. But on the flip side, I, I look at this and I'm like, Copyright infringement, like 100% copyright infringement. And it's funny because Nintendo gets sued all the time for alleged copyright infringement. Uh, nobody from Nintendo's made a statement on this, and I'm very interested to hear what they have to say. Um, I'm I'm the guy who's loving this. So, um, Jaden, you had mentioned that there's, there's no real market for it that you could see so far. Um, but I always think the market's already there. That is the Switch owners. Uh, people. So one thing that Switch has proved to me so far is that games play best when they can be played in home console mode and then just taken on the go. Like the ability to play a game that is PC or PlayStation or Xbox exclusive on the go is phenomenal. And yeah, you have laptops. They're technically portable, but they're not really portable like a Switch is. And so I just... I love the ability to be able to play like Alan Wake, Control, all my Remedy games, um, things that I can't play on Switch right now. Uh, Call of Duty, etc. Like Assassin, well, you have some Assassin's Creeds now, but um, like games that I enjoy on either PC or other consoles that I just can't take portably. This is the opportunity for that here, and it also it's a whole PC, so you can I can write my my presentation. I can. Will actually watch Netflix on it, you know. So there's all their like PC benefits here too. Are there really though? Because like when we start talking about the portability of the Switch, a lot of Switch games have a single player experience. When we're looking at PC mm -hmm. games, a lot more of those like the, the more popular ones are are looking strictly at online multiplayer. Now, does yeah. this thing will this thing like be able to connect online without a Wi-Fi connection? These are things that have to be addressed in the PC market more than they have mm -hmm. to be addressed for the Nintendo Switch. Right. And theoretically, gonna... theoretically, you would want this thing to have like 4G, 5G capabilities mm -hmm. built into it uh, in order to accommodate for gaming on the go properly for a PC player. I think you take features, if those features aren't built within the system, it's more of a hard sell because a lot of those you know PC gamers are going to want to play when they want to play, how they want to mm -hmm. play. Um, Right, and that's where I was going to go with that point. Is especially like, if so it's Stadia compatible. Imagine if this is Stadia compatible. Right, and, and even then, like even if it's Stadia compatible, I don't know if that's hitting your hardcore like PC gaming market, because the PC gaming market, um, I mean, these they have a lot of their games on like Steam, for example. Mm. How is this going to interact with Steam? Are you going to be able to take your Steam games and? play it on this alienware thing or you're going to have to buy it off a separate store i mean uh the a large portion of the pc gaming community is upset at epic store for that kind of reason alone exactly. um and i don't i don't know how that's going to work and a lot of this like 
they get away with calling it a gaming PC because there's no real like standardized market version of to call something a gaming PC, it needs to have X, Y, and Z or mm -hmm. Z. Because uh, really, it, sure, it's got a, a, a 10th generation Intel processor, but it's also a mobile processor. So, you know, it's kind of like the the gaming equivalent of calling the uh, the Windows uh, Surface Pro a gaming PC, right? Because that mm -hmm. that can that can run Windows 10. I could play my games on that if I wanted to. It's got uh, some of them have like the latest generation uh, Intel processors, and so mm -hmm. I really think they're just getting away with uh, calling it a handheld gaming device because they don't have uh, those sorts of standards. Because uh, mm -hmm. I know a lot of the PC master race, they consider uh, a, a gaming PC to have all the components, having a dedicated GPU and a dedicated CPU, which this thing does not have. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the cooling system is like on the inside of this thing. And the battery life. Yeah, yeah. Because Dell has not given out any specs on it. Like they've been like keeping this real close to the chest. Again, we do want to preface that this is a prototype device. This may never enter the market, but just looking at it, man, like I could not believe that they have the boldness to just go out there and say, look, look what we made. We built a Nintendo Switch out of a PC. Mm -hmm. I mean Definitely, I think it it's not for the PC market, even though they're the ones that are talking about it. Um, the PC market, they like, like you said, to have the online functionality. They like multiplayer games. They like um, to play how they want to play, mouse and keyboard, um, stuff like that. I think this is just sort of to be a powerful 60 per second. You know, I think this is just like an extension to the experience. Like, oh, I'm playing this really great you know single-player RPG on PC, I can also download it on this and just take that with me for it's like a casual like gaming also do this. So it's, right. And I agree it's definitely with that. not for the core PC audience though, given that. Well, right. I personally love it cuz I think games play best when I have that option. Yeah, and, and see the thing the where I get stuck on that is it's like okay, I get I guess I get it that that is who you're trying to target. But this is also mm -hmm. an Alienware thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since it's Alienware, it'll probably cost an Suck. arm and a leg. Yeah, it'll cost and, an arm and a leg and probably not be that good. And <laughs> like, so from that standpoint, like, okay, if that's if that's where we're at, then I why don't I just buy a PC? Right? Like a gaming PC. I don't know. That's that's her i'm at with that entire thing i could see that argument but i could also i could see the argument of just the convenience of a device like this mm -hmm. um man get, it's really hard to transport a high-powered pc anywhere yeah uh especially ones that are built to play games like league of legends like those high-end like you know pcs that people are like doing crazy things with but then I feel like you have a hard time convincing PC gamers to step away from mouse and keyboard. Yeah, too. this has options to support it, but it's like, well, if you're taking it portably, you're not going to be mouse keyboard, and then like you need like, six arms and a table on you at all times. Now there are oh, some yeah. things, there are some things that I I do like about the the uh, UFO. I like its kickstand. It is a far mm -hmm. superior kickstand to what was offered. With it's the, the entire system. back of the system. Why did yeah. Nintendo do that? 
Yeah, it just like folds out. Yeah, it's yeah. way more. I don't know if it's innovative or if Nintendo was just trying to be hyper cost effective when designing the Nintendo Switch. Either way, that is a much more stable kickstand, and it's though, though I've never really had problems with the kickstand except for the fact that because it's like just on one end, when I'm trying to prop it, like it sometimes will lean to the side that doesn't have any support. I just right. went ahead. I bought you know a stand for my Switch just so I never have to use the kickstand. Um, but yeah, I mean. I would love to hear an Nintendo representative's thoughts on the uh, the UFO, because you know how Nintendo is. Because Nintendo be weird sometimes. Instead of like going straight for the jugular, they'll be like complimentary towards like a competitor, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they have like a similar product. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody at Nintendo was like, "We think this is a great idea. I think it opens up the market for more systems like this to exist." And I and that's not the answer I want to hear, but I feel like that's the answer mm-hmm. we'd most likely get from Nintendo if a representative were to come out and speak on the subject. We we kind of make jokes. I don't know if we do on here at the show, but I make jokes about oh how you know Sony would just copy whatever Nintendo does, but worse. If Sony can <laughs> throw a Nintendo Switch, I, I think it'd be pretty cool. It depends on you know how much support they give it. They can't just let it die like they did the Vita, but I think they made a Switch. It has some value. I think that's good because the Switch does the portability is just so good. It does things so right. I feel like a Vita owner. This like speaks directly to like a Vita owner. Yeah, but it is what it is. Like we we'll, we have to wait and see. I I would. I think Dell's gonna release this product. I think they're gonna. Oh, refi- mm-hmm. I think they're gonna refine to. it a little bit more. But I definitely think this is actually gonna make it to market. Yeah. Uh, by twenty twenty one. I think they put too much into getting it like really, really good to not release it into the market. Like, th- look at it: the ergonomics, the LEDs. Like, no, it's it's definitely yeah, it's, gonna come. It's to definitely market. not just something that a showcase item. Like, mm-hmm. no, like sometimes you go to CES and you see products that are not designed to come out, but they will have features that will make it to mass market. Mm-hmm. But they'll put it in like a car that has n- like. It's, it'll be ugly. It'll be like super boxy. And they're like, it's the car of the future. And that car will never make it to market. But the technology in that car will become standard at some point in time. Right. And, yeah. And yeah there, this, is not, this is not that effect right here. What, what this is, this is a fully formed idea, you know, you know, realized. And the tech is there. And Dell says that they can do it. Don't be surprised if this hits the market by 2021 at the l- latest Mm-hmm. I really, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's it's a PC. It's probably not going to be as good as other PCs by far. But you know, in, in contrast to the other things in the market, like Nintendo Switch and the Game Vice, because <laughs> Game Vice oh, is a yeah. thing. So remember, yeah, remember that. Um, but like things like the Game Vice are usually like phones or tablets with controllers, and so they only really play mobile games, or if they do play. Uh, full-fledged games. They're games that are being streamed to it through services like Stadia. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, this is a full PC, so I get you know the full PC games at my disposal, and that's good. Yeah. Well, I think with that's good, but I think with that said, we've touched on everything that we know about much. The, the UFO. I mean, there's not a whole much more because Dell just didn't want to release anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe to shield themselves from any backlash, but maybe yeah. because they just probably. Maybe I they just want to keep their cars close to their chest, but either way, yeah, Dell decided that they weren't going to speak on it 
too, too much. And, you know, I can't really mm-hmm. – like I said, if they're shielding themselves from any backlash uh, from, like, either the PC community or, you know, a company like Nintendo, not a bad idea. With that, we'll go ahead and we will move into our actual discussion, and that would be the Pokemon Direct. The biggest news to come out of this Direct was that Nintendo started with a Pokemon Direct instead of a proper Nintendo Direct. Right. Weird, but I was, I'm was i with it. Um, so they spent the bulk of it talking about Pokemon Sword and Shield. Blues and I had made some predictions. Uh, I had speculated about Detective Pikachu. We had speculated about things like movie trailers or like spinoff games. Uh, Everything we thought that, that we were sure they had to talk about, they just didn't touch on. Detective Pikachu, Pokemon Home, uh, and... Pokemon Sleep, that's the one. Just were not mentioned. They like they name dropped Pokemon Home. That's like yeah, that's about it. What? Yeah, the that service drops next month. When's Detective Pikachu? <laughs> Come on. So yeah, every, it's like even like a release window. I like I said, if they were gonna drop mm-hmm. Detective Pikachu, it'd be in March. Well, we are getting a Pokemon game in March, but mm-hmm. it's not Detective Pikachu. What yeah. we're what we're getting is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon uh, Rescue Team. DX. It's a remake of the original Mystery Dungeon game. And uh Games. Red Rescue it, Team and Blue Rescue Team. Right. Yes, yeah, yes the first two games. Mm-hmm. So I'm fairly interested in this because I'm a huge fan of the Ranger series. The I'm Ranger sure series. I'm sorry, the, the Mystery Dungeon series. Oh, the Rangers good too. So yeah, I yeah, know. I want Ranger. Yes, I do I'm love the Ranger this. Team. But. but yeah, this was a shocker. I'm a huge fan of it, but I'm I'm conflicted because it's the first two games, not like the far superior second or third game in the series. Also, the art direction that they chose for for this is a little strange. It's got like this storybook quality to it, but mm-hmm. with like CG Pokemon models. And I don't. Oh yeah, you're right, it. huh? Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I'm just a little. A little confused by it is 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 the proper like terminology I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I did play the demo, and if you're watching the live version of the show, I am streaming demo footage live as we speak right now. Probably doesn't look too great, but yeah, it exists. It's here, and I'll fix it. I'll make it look better in post. But for right now, yeah, I'm a little conflicted. Like. The game is still Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It still feels like that classic game, except for maybe the analog controls aren't so great, but the D-pad controls feel the same. Is this the right time for a Mystery Dungeon game, in you guys' opinion? Because like for me, it's like, I don't know. I don't think this was the, the, the third-tier game to come back out with. I think a Ranger game would have been more welcome, in my opinion. I think... Yeah, I mean... I think from fan fan base wise, sure, a ranger game would have been nice, but I think that the mystery dungeon just translates better because it's not necessary to have that touchscreen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. As a as a big personal ranger fan, I've always sort of felt that the mystery dungeon titles were a bit more successful and just worked a bit better on all platforms. Um. Like, I think Mystery Dungeon is, like, the best um, spinoff, despite being a big fan of Ranger, personally. 
Um, so I think that if they're going to release a spinoff title, it would have been Mystery Dungeon. I think the March release window is kind of weird. I'm glad it's coming like real, real soon. I love me some Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, but real, real soon, like in March specifically, is kind of weird right now. That's my but, big thing. Yeah, the timing of it isn't so shocking to me. I figured they'd have a March release, but I thought it would be for Detective Pikachu. Like that mm-hmm. window was like pretty open in my in my opinion. We haven't heard any big news from any other Nintendo studios about games releasing in March yet. Mm-hmm. So March seemed like a viable time frame. It just I just didn't think it would be Mystery Dungeon. Now I played the game twice or the demo twice. Uh, what's nice about the demo is if you play the demo and you do decide you want to buy the game, your save data from the demo can be carried over to the actual full-on game so you don't have to replay the first few missions. And they actually give you a fair number of uh, Mystery Dungeons to you know, missions to explore. In this demo, it took me about 45 minutes to play through the entire demo, which is nice. And I, I think the visual improvements to the game are nice, but at the same time, this... This even though there are visual improvements from like traditional sprite work, I have to I do have to admit that this is a pretty low effort game on whoever who's making this game. Is it Chinsoft? Like who made the uh the actual mystery dungeon game for uh the Pokemon series? I don't know. I, I always thought know. it was Game Freak. I know Chunsoft has made the Mystery Dungeon games in the past. Uh, I don't know as far as the remake goes. I don't think they showed anything from the trailer about like who's developing it and i i personally have not played the the game yet the demo i i am here still currently as we speak breeding slowpoke i am at over 4000 slowpoke and still no shiny slowpoke and i'm losing my my mind and i refuse to play the demo shall i get my shiny slowpoke <laughs> well i think chunsoft is making yes so if i mean if if chunsoft is making the game if they're making this game again, I, this is a very low effort like make of a, of the game. Like, I I kind of like the dream like storybook aesthetic of it, I but at the it, same actually. time, at the same time, it it's definitely something they didn't have to work extraordinarily hard building upon. Like no. this is like this is something that like a a semi proficient you know graphics designer could have done for them like and that's not a terrible thing like like it's a stylistic choice it just for me it doesn't necessarily click with the uh, pokemon mystery dungeon series now i think it may fit like the story of the game where you know it had the game has this like dreamlike quality to it Mm -hmm. not dissimilar to link's awakening in a sense and i wonder if link's awakening was a little bit of inspiration because remember how link's awakening started with that beautiful anime style cutscene and then when you get into the game itself everything is like very toy like right now, yeah so i'm wondering if they like felt like some kind of like inspiration and decided we can do something similar with the mystery dungeon series because the story is a kid wakes up as a pokemon and you know for a lo- and there's a lot of like dream based stuff that happens within the game itself so right. they could go for like this a very similar dream dream like aesthetic to the game. Like I said, personally, I don't know if it necessarily meshes well for me, but it's definitely there. And I see some people liking it, I see some people hating it. Any other thoughts on the Mystery Dungeon series as a whole? 
Personally, this art style resonates with me and as a Mystery Dungeon title. I love this for Mystery Dungeon. I like it a whole lot more than we got for Gates to Infinity and Super Mystery Dungeon. Like, this, I think, is great, especially compared to those. Um, I'm sure if you wanted to choose the art direction, it probably could have been better. Um, but I think it's an improvement from those titles, personally. Um, now, I'm very torn between... Uh, Explorers of Sky, Time and Darkness, whatever, and Red Rescue Team, Blue Rescue Team, as far as my favorite Mr. Engine, but they are definitely um, up there as my favorites, all five of them. Um, so I'm I'm very happy to see this remade. I am I am definitely looking forward to this. Yeah, see, um, I agree with most of that, except the the last part there, and that's the curious point for me is. Why would they simply remaster a game instead of releasing a new installment? And that's why I'm like, hmm. Because this is the hmm. best Pokemon Mystery Dungeon has ever been. Let's face it, Game Infinity and Super Mystery Dungeon weren't as good as this. I'm really glad to see this come back because this is how they should this is how all of them should have been. It's just like this. See, for me, I, I prefer the second game. What I do like about this though is that it does the one thing that should have always been it consolidates the two games into mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Now, yeah, it is nice. Yeah. If you haven't played the original Mystery Dungeon, this was a, one of the weirdest rollouts of a single game I've ever seen. So you had your uh, Red Rescue Team was a Game Boy. Game Boy. A, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. It was Red Game Rescue Boy Advance. Team. Yeah. No, and then Red Blue Rescue, Rescue Team was, was DS. I thought the Blue Rescue Team was the Blue Rescue Advantage. Team was DS, because I didn't okay. have a DS, so I only played Red. Okay, so yeah, the Red Rescue Team was the Game Boy Advance game, and the Blue Rescue Team was the DS game. And if you had both games in the system at the same time, you unlocked the full potential of the story. Mm. Now, you could play... What they wanted you to do was play each game individually and then slot them in at the same time for the expanded content. Uh, that you got if both games were in it. Now, it was a novel idea at the time, but that does not work with you know the way that the Switch is built. This is a mm. single, you know, game, uh, a game slot. A single game slot means you can only have one game in at a time, which means they had to consolidate all that content onto a single cartridge. Well, I just think it's good that they're one game and i think that's how the spin-off should always be one game it was cool back in the day but spin-off shouldn't be two versions they did that they stopped doing mr just two versions i think in the bad ones though gates or gates to infinity though so maybe maybe that's the reason i don't know well i am gonna buy this game i did enjoy my time with the demo like my my skepticism uh with the art direction aside uh, those games are just fun. Um, mystery dungeon games in general are fun. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I is, agree. This was built around like that same engine that uh, Chocobo Mystery Dungeon was. Actually, I think initially the plan was to do a mystery dungeon game, a sequel to the Chocobo Mystery Dungeon series, when Nintendo uh, had hooked up with, with Chunsoft and said, "Hey, you want to do a Pokemon game?" And that's how they got this off the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean. As a fan of the Mystery Dungeon series, you know, and that includes the Chocobo stuff, I'm happy to see this franchise come back. Uh, even though I might not feel like it's the right time, I think, I think the time was, 
I think they really needed to capitalize on Detective Pikachu more than I think they needed to capitalize on the Mystery Dungeon series. Like, I could have seen this being summer to fall, like, release, and that would have felt better to me. But, like, there's a lot, as far as the entire gaming industry is concerned, there's a lot going down in March. Like, there's The Last of Us 2, uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf, now Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, uh, there's a, good point. I think, like, two other big games, and then... I think a couple small games. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but March is looking kind of stacked. Well, this is a this is an interesting time for me as far as games are concerned. I don't know what 2020 holds as far as like you know uh, Nintendo releases, but with everything coming out on the other platforms, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be pretty busy. So mm-hmm, for <laughs> sure, That's, yeah. And I, I guess we're kind of wrapping up Mystery Dungeon here, so I want to make one last comment. Um, they started this off with just the year 2006. They had Sony Diamond Pearl Platinum remake fans losing their shit when they saw 2006. That's true, huh? I not thought about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. most definitely. <laughs> Forgot that was the same year. Well, in Japan it was. That's <laughs> But that's I, you know, like, honestly, I, I felt like Mystery Dungeon came out before that, but I... It guess did, yeah. The first DS Pokemon anything, I think, was Pokemon Dash, and then Mystery Dungeon, and then Diamond Pro Platinum. Oh, God, Pokemon Dash. I forgot yeah, about I that. know. Damn. That was garbage, but I had it anyways. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so did I. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I really don't have any further thoughts on Mystery Dungeon. Uh, the demo is available uh, right now, so if you haven't downloaded it and you're on the fence about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon... Go ahead, get on the Nintendo eShop, it's a free download, and like I said, it's a pretty full demo. Just casually playing took me about 45 minutes. I think that's a pretty well-timed demo. Uh, pretty much gets you to like the first you know, major story beat. Uh, Believe me, I'm trying. Just got to wait for the slowpoke. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. All right. Don't do what I did. Just play it. So with that said, we can go ahead and get into like the bulk of the Nintendo Direct, uh, which... I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I'm 100% completely shocked at the fact that the majority of the 20 minutes of the direct was actually spent on Sword and Shield. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, they spent maybe what two three minutes talking about Mystery Dungeon, and yeah. that included a, a full on trailer. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you know roughly 16 minutes of the direct was all Sword and Shield news. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And it was unexpected. I thought there was like, here's gonna, here's a spinoff. Here's a spinoff. Here's a new mobile game. Pokemon Home, Pokemon Sleep. That's what I was expecting. And that's what I, you know, yeah. our prediction video highlighted the fact that we would be seeing those things. And we saw mm-hmm. none of it. Which, yeah, shocked me. Because it's like, when just when you think you've predicted, you know, Nintendos and Game Freaks and the Pokemon Company's patterns, they throw you for a curveball. You know, so... It is what it is. I'm happy with what they showed, and I know a lot of people... There's a lot of debate within the community about what they showed, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But let's go ahead and uh, talk about what they said. Right. So, as we explained earlier, the bulk of the Direct was about the Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pass. Uh, And Jinichi Masuda and Shigeru Omori discussed that typically that there is a third adventure when developing Pokemon games like Red, Blue, and Yellow, Gold, Silver, Crystal... You know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have your weird sequels like 
black and white two and ultra sun and ultra moon but there's typically some type of third ex, uh experience for this game pokemon sword and shield they decided that they didn't want to create a new adventure a new experience they wanted to expand and build upon the existing adventure so that you can take your current pokemon sword or shield save data and begin your your new adventure so what they've done is they've essentially added two new regions let's not call them regions because that's going to cost two new wild areas two new wild areas to the the galar region map mm-hmm. um the first uh will be included in the the first expansion pass and that's going to be the isle of armor this is going to come out in june of 2020 and there are some cool new things that we can talk about here so there's going to be uh some new features new pokemon slowpoke uh, yeah, yeah Slowpoke, yeah. which is actually already available in the game. If you haven't gone to Wedgehurst, go to the Wedgehurst station and go ahead and access your Galarian Slowpoke. Um, but yeah, let's start with the Isle of Armor because that's what they showed. Uh, once you get to the Isle of Armor, when that does launch, you are going to uh, meet Mustard. Uh, I love that name. It's- <laughs> Sensei Mustard. Right. Yes, yeah, Sensei Mustard. Not- we should go ahead. I should have had his... Character description open. Don't know why I didn't. Uh, he was a former champion of Galar. Uh, he trained Leon. Leon is his former apprentice, and now he's training you. He he's very strong. He runs a dojo in the Isle of Armor, um, and he gives you a special Pokemon. Yes. If you want to transition off of that, I am still trying to load the Pokemon website. <laughs> um. All right. So he gives you Cubfu. Kubfu uh, is. I'm not sure if he's legendary, but he's basically going to be the legendary. They call him legendary. They, they, they call call- him legendary, right. but he also okay. evolves, which is really interesting. I mean, so did Cosmog. Oh, you're yes. right. Cosmog did. I forgot about Cosmog. And then oh. Fionn lays, or Manaphy lays eggs. Yes. All right. So Kubfu. Kubfu is a category Wushu fighting. Oh, I'm sorry. Category Wushu Pokemon. Type fighting, height two feet tall, weight 26.5 pounds. His ability is inner focus. His description goes as follows. A serious Pokemon dedicated to his training. This Pokemon is hardworking and strives to train both its body and mind. It uses each defeat as motivation, training itself with even more vigor after a loss in order to grow stronger. It has an organ that produces fighting energy in its lower abdomen before heading into battle. It will increase this energy through unique breathing techniques and intense focus. It dwells in distant mountains. Wild Kubfu live in mountainous areas away from the Galar region today, but it was once a species that called Galar its home. It's noted in its, it's noted in historical texts that this species used to head to uncharted lands with people as they set out to trade or explore records. Or explore records suggest that Kubfu living in a living in faraway mountains today may have descended from Kubfu. Kubfu. I, I really hate the name of this Pokemon. Kubfu <laughs> that became naturalized in distant lands they visited in their journeys. Because I just want to say the word Kung. Yeah, I, I forgot right, that yeah. same trap. Yep. Based off that description, he doesn't sound, or she doesn't sound legendary. It sounds like there's a whole bunch of them in the world just right. far away from Galar now. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why they called it legendary in the video, but whatever. I'm just saying, the entire thing is a giant JoJo reference, so... Throwing it out there. It's a JoJo reference. I don't watch JoJo. It is too wild for me. Like, there's, honestly, you might there's say. a lot of, like, JoJo poses in Sword and Shield. 
Uh, Leon's victory <laughs> pose. Uh, Sword Bert and Shield Bert have like early anime poses. It's huh. fucking amazing. And this is like, <laughs> like they just need managing. a ripple user because he uses his breathing. The Cub Cub Fu mm -hmm. uses his breathing to change his techniques. Oh, Jojo yeah, reference. Ham on energy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we do know that Cub Food does evolve, as stated in his description. And he actually has two separate forms of, of which he can evolve into. The evolution, Ursh, yes, the evolution Urshifu. Cub Food will evolve into Urshifu after it's undergone sufficient training. It seems Urshifu has two forms, single strike style and rapid strike style, and it appears that each form has different types as well. So starting with Urshifu single strike, it is the Wushu Pokemon. It's fighting. It's a type is fighting dark. Its height is six foot three inches, weighs 231.5 pounds, and its ability is Unseen Fist. The move Merciless Blow, Urshifu in this form favor battling without holding anything back. When enraged, they will mercilessly, mercilessly attack an opponent until it is utterly crushed. A single strike style Urshifu's movements are also direct and involve rushing forward in, in a straight line. It will keep its distance from its opponents at first, only to leap in close in an instant to deliver a powerful blow. Rapid Strike uh, style for Urshifu is also the Wushu Pokemon. Its type is Fighting Water. Height also 6 foot 3 inches. Weight is also 231. And it also carries the ability Unseen Fist. Urshifu in this form maintain a calm demeanor while observing their opponents and measuring their strength while dodging attacks. A rapid strike style Urshifu will use flowing movements in battle to smoothly parry an opponent's moves and then overwhelm the opponent with a flurry of rapid strikes. So note that Kupfu will either evolve into one or the other. Does not change. They have not stated what is required to make the evolution happen. We don't know if you like need a special headband to evolve or like special armband you know how they have like these weird especially this generation has so many weird style evolutions i wonder what the the evolution requirements will ultimately end up being to get either style now we do know that these pokemon also gigantamax and lord i love the artwork that they made for this yeah All right. so Gigant yeah. gigantamax urshifu single strike height 95.2 95 feet two inches plus weight question mark question mark question mark period question mark <laughs> ability unseen fist in this form urshifu looks ready to uh, bellow in fury people call it both the very embodiment of rage and divine emissary that banishes evil spirits with its fury and then we have the rapid strike style in this form urshifu will quietly maintain his stance with a calm expression when facing this Pokemon, it seems that some will greatly become will become greatly agitated, feeling as if the very depths of their soul have been exposed. Yet others report feeling a sense of relief, as if they've been cleansed of evil spirits. And God, the artwork that they made for this. They did such a good job of like coming up with key art to really highlight this. We've repurposed it for our thumbnail for today's episode. And it absolutely looks phenomenal, in my opinion. These are cool-looking legendaries, man. Any thoughts? Well, hold on. I want to see that art. I just... I mean, been a the, while. the best thing about this is still Slowpoke is back. <laughs> I just, That's all I really got to say. Um, the, the few Pokemon I was really excited, or that I was upset 
that they didn't make it back, where Slowpoke and his evolution line which now have Galarian forms, which is even better. Um, so Slowpoke, Breloom, and Shroomish, which we still don't know if they are back or not. Um, there is Zoroark, which is back, and Volcarona, which is back. Talonflame was kind of up there for me too, but I don't really like Talonflame either. But I was like, yeah, it's good to see it back. So we got a whole bunch of Pokemon I really wanted. I'm just waiting on Breloom and Shroomish now, really. So that's my big takeaway. I'm sorry. Like, the Legendary Lake is cool. Cub is cute. Uh, they just seem to have, like, lots of bears being fighting type these days. Like, that's a thing. What, uh, Pangoro, Stuffle, and Beware, now Cub Fu. All right. I'm kind of just over it. Like, oh, fighting bears. They're cool. You know. So oh, damn it. Okay. I thought for a second that the two poses for uh, Urshifu might have been a DBZ reference to um, Vegeta versus poses. Goku style. No, but if you, if you watch Dragon Ball Z, there is a the first time well, that that iconic, Vegeta, like, the iconic yeah. uh, Goku is in his wide stance and mm-hmm. um, Vegeta has that weird like crossover state it's really weird it's a very strange mm-hmm. stance but they end super with that scene yes, uh, yes, it's did. super iconic and i thought for a second it might have been referencing both of those because that would have been super sick a double reference one to <laughs> but it's not uh, they reference dragon ball all the time in a pokemon though they honestly. do they really do yeah so but we can anyway. go ahead and move into galarian slowpoke get the, yes get out of the yes all right so galarian <laughs> slowpoke Category, dopey Pokemon type, psychic, height 3 foot 11 inches, weight 79.4 pounds, ability, gluttony, or own tempo. Uh, the alluring Galarica spice. The slowpoke of the Galar region used to eat the seeds of a certain plant that grew in their habitats as this was their favorite food. These seeds were, in fact, Galarica seeds. Used... Used to this day as used to this day as an essential spice for cooking, the slowpoke and galar built up particles of this spice in their bodies over several generations, eventually gaining the unique appearance and behavior they are known for today. And there is not a whole lot of design difference between slowpoke and galar and slowpoke, except for like the yellow tops of their head and the yellow tips of their tails. All right. Galarian Slowpoke spend their days wallowing on seashores, riverbanks, without thinking about anything in particular. Once in a while, they might get a very sharp look in their eyes, but they will soon revert back to their zoned-out expression. It's thought that this behavior is caused by the accumulated Galarica particles stimulating Galarian Slowpoke's brain, resulting in its thinking of something tremendous, only for the Galarian Slowpoke to immediately forget what it had just thought of. Okay. Now, is this just supposed to be, like, poppy seeds? I don't know. Well, let's not let's not go there. <laughs> it's just lore reasons. Oh, we have to make a thing that they ate. I guess so, let's call it Galarian seeds. We do know that Galarian Slowpoke can also evolve uh, into a Galarian Slowbro or Galarian Slow King, but we have yet to see either of those Galarian forms for this Pokemon. They you get to see their faces. Yeah, they, parts of their bodies. Yes, when they've like decided to suspiciously marker out like the entire design thanks pokemon mm-hmm. company for that <laughs> i mean specifically i think on both of them they cut off the parts where the shelter would be so i think the biggest right. thing is that it wouldn't be shelter it's something different from sh- like shelter also is weird but that's true yeah they like because they showed like slow bro but they cut off the head and they cut off just enough of like the belly to not show the tail 
and it was scribbled out Slow King's entire head. So something's up with that, that shelter. I don't know what it is, but it's cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we talk about the rest of the Pokemon on the list, uh, there, yeah. because Galarian Slowpoke is already attainable um, at the time of this recording, uh, there is a little bit of a story beat once you go to Wedgehurst. You will meet one of two uh, new, new rivals rivals slash potential gym leaders. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're playing Pokemon Sword, you will meet Clara. Clara specializes in poison-type Pokemon and is training hard at Mustard's Dojo. She'll do just about anything to appear adorable and cute, as popularity is what she admires most of all. She goes about her days with a smile on her face, but hiding behind it is a very calculating nature that she puts to very good use. Now, hmm. Clara is a poison-type gym leader, which Pokemon Sword players do not get to fight against a poison-type gym leader if in the standard... Uh, in the standard playthrough. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have like a gym leader that will represent, you know, poison type plus extra gym leader. Uh, if you're playing Pokemon Shield, you will run into Avery. Avery is one of the trainers who strive to become stronger at Mustard's Dojo, and he is a proficient user of psychic Pokemon. He is gentlemanly and well-mannered, but also very proud. And it seems he'll see you as a particularly formidable rival. So again, if you don't play if you've played Pokemon Shield, you do not have a psychic gym. So they are filling the spaces. Uh, I do want to point out how androgynous Avery is. Yeah, mm -hmm. super. Like, he, like, I think this is one of the most androgynous uh, character designs that they've actually implemented in a Pokemon game uh, in the West. Mm -hmm. uh, if Like, the most masculine thing about Avery is the top hat. Yep. So that's like. Other than that, it's just a girl. It's a girl, but then you see the top. Of, oh yeah, it could be. It could be a guy, right? <laughs> like Very <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't. I was trying to look at the model and be like, "Is there a chest there?" Can't really tell. Most Pokemon, you can't see like chests on them all the time. It's very like, like, it's specifically like Wick and um, Melody, um, which are just two two. Older woman that you see chess sons like oh and well, I guess Sonia. So. Now the reason I bring these two characters up is because yeah you run into them uh, in Wetchurst Station in Wetchurst Station and that you get to meet these characters and you get a glimpse of their personalities. Now I got to meet Clara in my edition and yeah she's she seems very shrewd, but uh, I, mean, I I do like the character I like her design. She seems like she's gonna be a a cool new addition to the game. Like this game has done fantastic at like fleshing out the side characters. Um, so it's gonna be really interesting to see how she develops as a rival. And the same goes for Avery. Uh, I won't get to experience that unless I somehow uh, decide to get Pokemon Shield between now and the time this comes out. Uh, anyway, back to the Pokemon themselves. We finally got confirmation. Of Gigantamax forms. Now I'm a little confused at the way they worded this. Are they only going to be able to Gigantamax in the Isle of Armor slash uh, Crown Tundra uh, wild areas? Because that's how they kind of made it seem. Like I would imagine it is. They can only you can only find their Gigantamax forms in those areas because they're going to have their own dens. So if I want to catch a Gigantamax Pokemon that is all, 
added in to the, the expansion, I can only encounter these Pokemon in their chicken next forms in their appropriate area. If that See, makes but sense. The, but then okay. you can keep it and use it for online in the main story, whatever. See, but the way they made it sound was like your specific starter. Yeah, and see, what I think might oh, you happen mean, oh, is oh, that the new within the story is that um, they'll do something along the lines where through that dojo training shit, they'll be able to gain access to the Gigantamax. Yeah, that's what, that's that's the, what I'm the thinking person. they're going to do. I that's thought you meant Venusaur and, and Blastoise. I'm oh, sorry. the original starters. Yeah, yeah, I see how you could make that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I forgot the new starters had a Gigantamax form because they yeah. just... Dropped the ball on that originally. Yeah, it made it made it sound like to me that the only way your starter can Gigantamax is in this new area in the in the uh, Isle of uh, Armor or the Crown Tundra. It was it was weird weird wording, and I would yeah. really like to see more. But the Pokemon website doesn't really break it down any better. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, let's go ahead. We'll start with Gigantamax Rillaboom. Uh, so. He gets a forced of drums when he Gigantamaxes. Rillaboom's, yeah, tree, Rillaboom's tree stump drum has uh, grown rapidly to the point that it now resembles a small forest on its own. Gigantamax Rillaboom has merged with this forest of drums to be and become even more powerful. It can control its sticks as if they were its own limbs, and it will demonstrate transcendental drumming techniques. Jesus Christ, transcendental. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. All right, it's next part of the description. Gigantamax Rillaboom will focus completely on playing its drums compelled by the power welling up inside it. The sound can reach across oceans and, be, and can be heard by those living in other regions. It is said that those who hear the beat will begin to dance uncontrollably, overwhelmed by a rhythm that surges up from inside them. Lord, what a description. Now, I love this, like, how he has, like, like his, like, single bass drum has turned into like a full-on drum kit with like snares, cymbals, and all this extra stuff. Like Jesus, this Pokemon. If he wasn't already a Donkey Kong reject, the whole instrument thing <laughs> has gone like all the way. Like they've they've fully Donkey Kongified him with this, having a full-on drum kit as his uh instrument. I don't know as as his main means of attacking. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think it's cool. I, I think the design actually improved by having a, a bigger drum kit. But with yeah. that said, we can go ahead and move into Gigantamax Cinderace. Now, this one is insane. Uh, Cinderace is standing on a giant fireball with a face on it. <laughs> and it's weird. Like, I, I mean, I guess because he already kind of has, like, this soccer player vibe, it makes sense for him to, like, be riding a giant ball of fire. But goodness gracious. And if you don't get that joke. Yeah, that's an old reference. That's good. <laughs> Clever. I so, like that. The gigantic pyro ball. The burning ball at Cinderace's feet has grown to massive proportions thanks to Gigantamax energy. If Gigantamax Cinderace kicks the ball using its well-honed techniques, its fighting spirit will possess the ball and cause the ball to pursue opponents as if it had its, a mind of its own. That's just terrifying. All right, and then for its second description, Gigantamax Cinderace boasts incredible leg strength. In fact, its legs are said to rank among the strongest of all Pokemon. Even without its Gigantamax Pyro Ball, it can deliver powerful kicking moves that overwhelm other Dynamax Pokemon. I'm not really a big fan of this design. It's terrible. 
but yeah, I agree. I'm not. I mean, I didn't really like Cinderace's design initially, and I don't think this really adds too much to it. Oh, I, I do. I, sh- I should make note make note that the categories for the Pokemon change. So for Rillaboom, he is now the drummer Pokemon. For Cinderace, okay. it now reads striker Pokemon. And for Inteleon, he is the secret agent Pokemon, and they gave this motherfucker a sniper rifle. Yeah, you know, that does something, I think. Like, and that completely changes things, okay? Cinderace has a bigger... If you didn't think Cinderace was the best... If you didn't think Cinderace was the best starter Pokemon before this, this dude has a sniper rifle. He is the best starter of this generation. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, like, objectively, after all this, it's it's hard to argue. Although his tail is, like, ridiculous in this form. So it's towering long tail. Intellion has gained an extremely long tail thanks to Gigantamaxing. The tail's length is said to be over 130 feet. While Gigantamax, Intellion will stretch out its long tail and hold it to straight straight to form a pillar, and Intellion will take up a battle position at the top. This Pokemon has incredibly sharp mind and calculates the precise effects that gravity will have on the trajectory of its shots, enabling it to become extremely effective sniper. Told you, this is a sniper mon. Enhanced espionage tools. Intellion has hidden tools within its body, and these have also been enhanced due to its gigantamaxing. I don't even know how to say the word. The nick, the nictating membranes on its eyes not only allow it to measure the distance to the target, they now let Intellion determine temperature, air pressure, and even humidity. Intellion is a skilled sniper as well easily hitting a barrier that's rolling around over nine miles away. I'm so very happy that I picked Inteleon as my starter. Screw you, Rillaboom guys, and screw you, Cinderace fans. I'm sorry, but get sniped. I think that Rillaboom still is the best Gigantamax form in that, that Inteleon has the worst Gigantamax form, personally. Like, I, I, I'm the complete opposite. I think Rillaboom got the best one. Until you until you get like the worst one is my opinion. All right, so that's it for the confirmed Pokemon that we do know about. Uh, well, f- we also got um, Blastoise and Venusaur confirmed. Okay, yeah, I, right, I do yeah. want to talk about them, but they they have their own section. Okay, okay, yeah, confirmed that we know about and we know how to obtain them. We've talked about our new oh, characters. Yeah, from okay. that standpoint, yeah. Okay. So we also have some new features uh, that are going to be introduced in the Isle of Armor. So we have some new clothing items, uh, more Pokedex infor- information, so and uh, new Max Ray battles against new Pokemon. So let's get into that. We're going to have 200-plus Pokemon added uh, with these expansions total. They didn't say what the breakdown would be, I don't think. I think it's 200, like, so probably like 100 and 100 between the two DLCs. Yeah, um, I think that's how they broke it down. 100, so, 100. So, yeah, we're going to have some cool new things. Like, you're going to be able to change your character's clothing into very much more specific outfits. So, like, you can dress up as Rose now, which, well, I don't know why you would do that. But. Yeah, I don't know why my, my main character would want to dress as a legitimate criminal who yeah. tried to end the Gala region for the sake of free energy. <laughs> Unlimited uh, energy. Like, yeah, uh, let me just dress like him. <laughs> so, yeah, you, 
not only that, but there are going to be new new move tutors added to the DLC. Uh, new items like uh, the like the experience charm that will come in handy when you level up your Pokemon. You're going to have new battle styles. The armor, the Isle of Armor, will introduce a way to challenge yourself to some new battles with restricted sparring. You'll be limited in what types of Pokemon you can use and forced to battle under set conditions. So that's a pretty cool new feature. I, I'm highly interested in that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Aside from that, we're going to have some new regional forms, uh, which we've seen with Galari and Slowpoke. Slowpoke, yeah. uh, New clothing, uh, more new max battles. The entire area itself will function as, a, as an extension to the wild area, so you'll have complete camera control when you're in these new areas, which, yes. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, expanding the wild area, essentially? Like, for those people who thought the water area was too small, I happen to think the water area is big enough. Like, it could be bigger, and I wouldn't mind it, but the wild area itself is pretty fulfilling. Um, but adding more expansion to it, I'm definitely down with that. Uh, yeah, and that's it for what we know about for the new features here. Uh, with that, we can go ahead and talk about the, uh, the Crown Tundra, the second half of the DLC, which we don't have a specified date other than fall of 2020. Uh, we do know of one new Pokemon that will certainly appear in the Crown Tundra, and that's going to be Calyrex, and I'm just going to call him the Triforce Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, he's got Triforce on Netflix. Not necklace. <laughs> yeah, am I the only person getting a Kuma vibes off of his necklace, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Street Fighter. Like, yeah, like yeah. The, yeah, the prayer beads. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. All right. So in the Crown Tundra, you'll encounter Calyrex, the Pokemon whose image you'll find on the packaging for the Pokemon Sword Expansion Pass and Pokemon Shield Expansion Pass. So Ka uh, Calyrex is the king Pokemon. Its type is Psychic Grass. Its height is 3 foot 7 inches. It weighs 17 pounds, and it has the ability Unnerve. Its description reads as follows. This Pokemon ruled all of Galar in ancient times. Though it appears delicate and slight, its every move is filled with grace and dignity. It also has extremely high intelligence, and it's said to see every past, present, and future event. So let's talk about that description. Once ruled Galar in ancient times, so... That story that you uh, that you pieced together with uh, Sonia, Sonia uh, talked about a king and the sword and the shield. Is this the king that's you know spoken of in the legend? Is Sonia gonna show up again to kind of like highlight this uh, to do more research into the Gala region and find new information about the king of the Gala region? In and we find out that that would be Calyrex. I. I I feel like they're really trying to tie some Legend of Zelda stuff to this Pokemon. Just the Triforces on its, you know, beads. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and plus we know the Breath of the Wild aspirations that, you know, the development team took. You know, it, this kind of makes sense that they would have, like, some kind of, like, tribute to that and mm -hmm. in Pokemon form. It's neat. Aside from that, this is... I have said that I've really thoroughly enjoyed most of the new designs in Pokemon Sword and Shield. They they stray very much away from what we would consider traditional Pokemon design, but this one doesn't really hit the mark for me. I I kind of hate this thing. It's like a weird deer with like a you know onion on its head. I hate it. Yeah. Um. I think one of the biggest things is that it 
it doesn't follow Pokemon's newest um, design philosophy uh, for all their Pokemon. All the new Pokemon they've started making all have to look like they could be your friend. And this thing just doesn't give me, like, I don't want to hug it. I don't want to, like, team up with it. It's just, like, and it just looks weird otherwise, too. Like It also looks hyper angry. Yeah, so, like, I don't want to be its friend. Like, and I think that's why I don't like it. <laughs> like, that's the design philosophy they've gone for. It's like, hey, if you can be your friend, it's a Pokemon. That chandelier, that ice cream cone, that bag of trash, they look friendly. Go for it. It's a Pokemon. <laughs> So, I kind of like I, them going back to the old style designs, though, because especially I when you have style. like a weird. legendary that is near godly in terms of scope and uh, and supposed power. Like, okay, I can I can but, get that. All right, like, here's my that. argument for the this specific Pokemon, though. At least in terms of godlike power, it's still inferior to Celebi. It can see into the future. Celebi can go into the future. And- no, What's so it's just worse Celebi. It's Psychic <laughs> Grass with the worst ability and worse Pokedex description in terms of power set. You know yeah, what's I mean, interesting, though, is that the, just literally last episode, we were speculating on the Mew style. Yeah, who would the Mew be? Mm-hmm. What it would be. I didn't expect them to showcase it as a DLC Pokemon. Um, but, I mean, I do... I, I am going to be interested in getting my hands on it, seeing... How useful slash not useful slash it's gonna be banned anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's one of the worst designs in my opinion. Like I'm yeah. n- not really a fan. Like I'm talking like eight generations of Pokemon right here. This is one of the worst designs in any generation, in my opinion. But you know, to each his own. I, I guarantee you somebody out there likes it. Jaden doesn't seem to mind it that much. I know I don't mind it. It's, it's I'm not, not like but I'm not, not head yeah. over heels. No, nowhere clear. I'm close. I'm pretty lukewarm towards it. Like, I tolerate this Pokemon's design, and that's where I'll stand. I tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we don't know a whole lot about the Crown Tundra. We know far more about the Isle of Armor, and that's because the Isle of Armor will be coming out much sooner. Mm-hmm. So, if, th- if this comes out, if the Isle of Armor is coming out in June, what what are we looking at? Like in November slash December? Oh wait, wait, wait! November. Before I move beyond that, I did want to touch on something. I it skipped my mind. But when you mentioned the thing about Sonia in the trailer, they don't tell you who the you're going on expedition for yeah. and with. So it could be Sonia. I'm kind of curious if they're going to bring back an older professor because they name dropped Mustard and then they showcased a new character for um the Crown Tundra. Who looks like an explorer of some kind, and they didn't talk about him. And right. they didn't show anything else. And we yeah. don't even know if he's the guy who's heading it. He just may be some guy who's a part of it. Who mm-hmm. who who the hell knows? And so I'm really hoping they use that. I, I, the yep, answer right? is it's Link. Link is looking for the Triforce Pokemon. He's gonna show up because the Legend of Zelda and it's like dimension hopping. Because we All have right. ha- we've have had dimension hopping in Legend of Zelda, he's gonna show up. And he's gonna be like, "I need this Pokemon to come back to uh, Hyrule with me." So, so I think it should be <laughs> Zelda. Be okay That's with that? I think I think Zelda is like a professor. A Zelda is a Pokemon professor. At least the Breath of the Wild Zelda would make a great Pokemon professor. And you know, Pokemon likes to make their their females. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're gonna, they're gonna try and make Zelda from Breath of the Wild. She's gonna be like a smart expedition kind of character, like she is in Breath of the Wild. And she'll eat this, and she'll get the Triforce. How cool she'll would that be? How cool would it actually be though? Like Breath of the Wild two, Calyrax just shows up. 
Never I'll be okay with that, man. I I have, so okay. on my predictions list, I said a crossover. I want a crossover. So many Pokemon X, that I have. Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I, that would be a great pipe dream. But, okay, with what we do actually know is coming to the Crown Tundra is a new form of co-op play. Yes. We already have raid battles. Talk to me. But now we're going to have this new feature which is still essentially co-op raids. But in the Crown Tundra, you and your friends will be able to explore and enter Pokemon dens found in the Crown Tundra in new in a new gameplay feature. Deep inside these dens, you'll have a chance to encounter legendary Pokemon from previous Pokemon series games. So work together with other trainers to get as far as you can. So the way they visualized this within the chat itself was walking into one of the dens that you see that pop out of the ground in the wild area. And in there will be legendary Pokemon that you and your friends or some randos can raid with. And oh my god, legendary raids. Okay, now some five-star raids are pretty difficult. Not too, too terrible, but some of them can be pretty annoying. I can only imagine the difficulty that a legendary raid will provide a player with. And I hope the catch rate is unforgiving. I hope it's difficult to catch a legendary. I don't want to see like legendaries just gone about it willy nilly. I want to make if they're gonna do legendary raids, I want them to be accomplishments. Now I know I'll be pissed when I don't catch a legendary Pokemon. I just need to do better. Let like make those difficult to obtain, but also um, make it fun and make those raid battles like really intense. So. The first thing that sort of comes to my mind here is an entire, like, a dungeon raid, like a, a dungeon crawler sort of mode in Pokemon, which I absolutely love the idea of. Right. Um, just, like, go through an actual mystery dungeon, a procedurally generated, like, it's just mystery dungeon, but in sort of shielded. Right. Um, you, know what this or something, you, know? you know what this reminds me of is the, um, in Pearl and Diamond, the underground. This is what I wanted the underground mm -hmm. to be back then. That could be cool, yeah. Um, but, uh, you make, you make a point with the whole legendaries, um, being hard to capture. Um, one thing they also mentioned in the, um, in the Isled Armor, Isle of Armor is that there will be Apricorn and, like, an Apricorn maker, like, her. Yes. Um, right, yeah. And I wonder if they're going to maybe expand on the balls you could make through Apricorns. Like, I'd like to see Beast Balls specifically be able to be made through Apricorns. Um, and... Master Balls in Sword and Shield are in high demand between Gigantamax Pokemon, Shiny Gigantamax Pokemon, and now a whole bunch of Legendaries coming and potentially increased Shiny rates or something for these Shiny Legendary Pokemon. Um, people want Master Balls now. Um, so don't make it like, oh, I have like 30 of this, you know, Apricorn. Make it like every month you can find maybe this Apricorn, but that's like one Master Ball a month as opposed to the fucking lottery that's a fucking mess oh gosh um, <laughs> oh yeah i mean like, that's fair yeah that makes sense you know, yeah, like, that's I, the I, only I, way I to have, get more i've still yet to do any lotto id anything i just mm -hmm. i haven't i've like, gotten second prize so many fucking times i'm losing my shit um <laughs> i i use my master ball on a shiny colossal gigantamax colossal i used it on and i think i think that's nice but i need more I haven't used my master ball yet. Like I caught, uh, I caught Zoxan with like an Ultra Ball. 
I one shot at Premier Premier Bald with my Zamazenta. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm legendary raids. One of the better features of Pokemon Go, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be neat if you could raid with more than like legendary raids would be so hard that you have to raid mm-hmm. with like team of like six or eight. Mm-hmm. Probably, they won't definitely won't do that. They'll, they'll keep it limited to four. But yeah, how awesome would it be to raid? Team raids are so much fun. Like I raid with a uh, Mario after party and a couple other people all the time, and it is tremendously fun. Also, low key, I'm that dude that like also attacks his teammates with like like earthquake. Like it would not just earthquake, but I'll use like toxic wave. And po- yeah, and poison my teammates. I, I run my toxicity as um as choice, and I have toxic wave, sludge wave is what it is, and yeah, boom burst. Wave. Yes, and I, and I click them. So, oh yeah, I need to use this move. Yeah, I mean, why would you? Well, why would you limit toxicity? Why would you like take away its best attacks unless you intend on gigantamaxing it within the course of that raid, like? I'm gonna use those moves, so it would behoove you to pick a Steel type Pokemon if you see <laughs> picking toxicity. But I, I just the fact that I'm just scarfed into it, and I didn't like think that through. I just saw impulse, and then just everyone yells at me. Actually, I'm also that guy that will attack his teammates just because they're not contributing properly to the raid. Oh, that's good. That's good. I do that in multi battles a lot, where like some guy just like it's all three people. You know, they're bringing the other stuff, and then one guy just has a dark cry. He's on my team. I'll just I'll just I'll just drain punch him or something. Close combat. Like, like I have done that just because like I had a teammate that was not contributing properly to the raid. Like mm-hmm. they kept doing like <sighs> one of them actually healed the raid Pokemon. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Yeah. So I was Jeez. like, nope. I'm not gonna play with you, and I just O-code him. I was like, I'm done. Yeah, you're done. Get out of here. And I'm, like, I'm gonna keep attacking you until this raid's over. I don't care. This is my raid. I'll lose. I can restart this raid. <laughs> but yeah, I'm that guy. But the 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 Crown Tundra, the Isle of Armor, uh, two new expansion passes coming out. What's what are we thinking? We know about the June release. What do you think? November, December for the Crown Tundra's DLC release. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be autumn, right? So I'm guessing. Yeah, fall. I don't know October, November. I don't think they're gonna. Well, you gotta remember with November. with Nintendo. Nintendo likes to like use like very specific dates. So like, if they like winter technically starts in like December, right? Like so, and it's like I could see them like this is still fall. Like remember when Splatoon came out in like May and they were like advertising a spring release for it and they're like for mm-hmm. you know for us in the west we think of May it's summer. The you know Nintendo's like yeah technically like the calendar still says spring so it's a spring release. And I always thought of May as spring. I don't uh, know what you're talking about. When, when school gets out for summer vacation that's summer. I got out of school in May every year. I always got out late May. Still summer, so yeah, I think I, mean, of May, I think of I think, like, come on, I think of May, I think summer, but yeah, so like they're gonna have like a very specific date. I can see this dropping in like late November to like mid December. I just okay. I feel like that's such a long time. Like this is basically what happened with Breath of the Wild, but you know what? As much as I like the Breath of the Wild, you know, uh, Champions Battle DLC, by the time it came out. 
I have totally forgotten how to play Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. That happens. That's the thing. Like, I had to relearn to play, and I had to relearn to play with that stupid uh, one-hit death mission. Yeah, that happens. That's a thing. <laughs> I mean, at least... So, I don't know of anyone who has to... has to Who forgets how to play Pokemon. You might forget your type matchups. That's, like, it. You can't forget how to play Pokemon. All right. You forget type matchups, and that's it. True. All right, before we move on, I do want to talk about that they briefly did mention Pokemon Home during this direct. It was very much a passing and no real details about how Mm -hmm. it will function, just that the expansion pass, if you have... Basically, so if you get the expansion pass, we did discuss that there will be... We haven't discussed this yet. So actually, let's let's take a step back. Um, There were Pokemon shown in the direct that uh, weren't given any, like, official, like, reports on. So we do know about two new Gigantamax Pokemon, three new Galarian forms, and then 200 Pokemon from previous generations will be available through this DLC. Starting with the Gigantamax Pokemon, we have the G-Max Venusaur and the G-Max Blastoise. I really, really love the design of G-Max Venusaur. Yeah, I do too. The bull cut. Oof. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. Cut. I gotta admit. And then uh, G-Max Blastoise looks alright, uh, but... He's a fortress. Compared to the other two G-Max forms, I feel like it got underserved. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, we haven't... I, I We all know what these are, but they never really... We don't know that what their confirmed names are. So we have Galarian Zapdos, Galarian Moltres, and Galarian Articuno. And goddamn, Galarian Moltres looks freaking amazing. That purple and black and, what is it, like, red motif. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If whoo man, I was always a Zapdos guy, but they made Zapdos into a an emu, a roadrunner. <laughs> road yeah, runner. oh yeah, kind of yeah, like a roadrunner. Yeah. I, 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 I figured more like an ostrich or an emu, but I can like, see like I'm nicknaming my meep meep because he's roadrunner. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was always a Zapdos guy, but looking at Galarian Moltres, I'm like, it looks amazing, and Galarian Zap Articuno. Um, Articuno Still the worst design of the three. I mean, to it's be like, fair, though, like that's a pretty high bar. Objectively speaking, they all look pretty good, I'd say. I I always kind of disliked Moltres. As a kid, I loved Moltres because Firebird, what's cooler than that? But when you grow up, it's like, it's just naked. It's like naked and that's in fire. Like, it, that, like, I couldn't unsee that. And it's just like, it's just a rubber chicken that has some flaming. <laughs> like, it just looks like a rubber chicken. See, that was fire. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> For me, Articuno was the worst designed bird. It just looked like a regular bird in comparison to the other two. I mean, yeah. It, but it looks like majestic, at least. Not like a rubber chicken. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, But Zapdos was top tier. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to sort of discuss what we think the typings for them will be. Oh, they're definitely dual type. I could see Moltres being right. far dark. But then does it still flying type? Because it's a bird, right? I don't think they need the third typing. I mean, all right. maybe they'll still have levitate as an ability. That could be neat. But um, I definitely, I, with that color scheme, if it's not a fire type, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm not a, a dark type. I'd be really shocked. I could see it as dragon. Or maybe ghost. Maybe. Hmm. But I feel like it might have like blue flames to like will o' the wisp, which would be cooler, anyways. You know? Um,. Zapdos doesn't look that much different than a standard electric Pokemon, so... Uh, I think it could be, you know, since it's grounded, an electric ground type, or it could be a fighting type, since it's kind of like... It could, ki- it could kick. Like, that's a kick Pokemon, you know? Oh, Galarian Articuno is definitely going to be psychic typing. 
I could see it as steel types, like either psychic or steel. Just the just the way its face looks to me. Yeah, it's like got a Terminator yeah. mask or something, which yeah is is could be psychic. Like it looks very psychic, but then also the way its wings look and the attacks it was using kind of looks like maybe steel. Like it's throwing out iron feathers or something. So see, I'm looking at pictures of them right now. Yeah, I gotta bring those up because I'm trying to remember them. Um, while before we skip to, I think we're just gonna talk about the additional 200 Pokemon. Uh, there's also the two new Regis. Yeah, the Regis Shock mm-hmm. and the uh, Reggie Nothing question mark. We don't. Know it looks it like a dragon. It looks it like looks, it looks like they beat up a Cubone and stole his dead mother's mask. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think because it looks like a Charizard head specifically to me sideways. Um. But the color scheme kind of makes me, makes me think, oh, it's a dark type. So I can see it's either a dark Reggie or a dragon Reggie. And there's obviously electric Reggie. So Yeah, so we did see the we have no real pertinent information on any of these. Mm-hmm. I really wish they, we like they exist. I really wish we knew more. Mm-hmm. I find it really odd how they keep adding more Reggies. Like the first three, oh no, that makes sense. And then Gigas was like, oh well, I I, I guess that's cool. Um, I didn't quite understand the lore for Regigigas ever, and then also why he came like a game late, and now, yeah, I never understood. generations later, two more that just don't seem to fit with the Reggie motif of being big and dense. <laughs> like Plasma's not big and dense, and why the fuck is there just a sideways dragon head? <laughs> like I don't understand anymore. That's cool they exist, but I don't understand them. Oh man, I'm looking at the. The Galarian Moltres right now. It is definitely fire dark. There's no way that it's not dark typing. Anyhow, uh, so now we can talk about uh, the, the uh, when they when they showed off these Pokemon. Even though they didn't discuss them, they also said that the 200 previous Pokemon, 200 Pokemon from previous generations would be available throughout the course of the expansion pass. Slowpoke! And that you could only catch them if you have the expansion pass. But, but you could trade them to people if they do not have the expansion pass or if you have uh, Pokemon Let's Go or one of the other Pokemon games that will be, you know, or however they decide to make Pokemon Bank connect to uh, Pokemon Home, you will be able right. to transfer them to Pokemon Home and then bring them into Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield. So you don't necessarily have to like get the DLC if you don't want it, but it's there as an option. Um, and that's how they discussed how Pokemon Home's functionality would work. And then they did briefly say that Pokemon Home would be launching in February of this year, but no other information. Not yeah. its functionality, not a specific release date, no nothing. Upset of red I'm, flag to me. I'm a, I'm a little upset that they said nothing, and I can totally see the red flag argument. Yeah. Um, like, if you're not showing us anything from it so far, I'm like, I don't think it's ready. Like, Pokemon Bank had a lot of issues at launch, and you cannot have that for Pokemon Home after the whole Sword and Shield debacle to begin with. So, well, that brings me to our next point, is the price point for this DLC is $29.99, 30 You're going to need to... it One expansion per game, so if you have both games and you want to buy the DLC, you will have it's to buy... It's 60 bucks. Yeah, you'll, have, you'll be paying essentially for a whole new game. Now, if you have both copies of the game, 
do you really need first off do you really need both copies of the game because it's not really the game the series was not really designed for people to buy both copies of the game it's like make some friends yeah make some friends and trade and don't shame me now you have the online functionality which makes trading even easier we've had that since gen 4 that you know online capabilities to trade pokemon i'm not trying to shame anybody I'm just I'm just trying to state like the design intention is that people will only buy one version of the game and and then trade. I know. Don't shame me. I'll uh, do it. Shame. Spend your money better. <laughs> um. So yeah, you will have to buy it twice if you want it. And now I've been the argument I've been hearing, which I think is, is that oh you're re, you're you're locking Pokemon behind a paywall. Absolutely not. That is completely false. If you have these Pokemon in previous generations, and if they are, and you trade them to Pokemon or you send them to Pokemon Home, these Pokemon are accessible through through transferring or trading. They are not locking it. They actually updated the game. What is it? The day of the direct to include these Pokemon's uh, data and make it you know, so that. When the, when the DLC does not, you will be able to trade uh, with your friends and whatnot. So the argument is false, wrong. You can't make that argument. They're not lo- they're not truly locking Pokemon behind uh, behind a paywall. By the time I... the, by the time the DLC comes out, you'll be able to trade or or imp- transfer these Pokemon into your game via Pokemon Home. Now, if you haven't done your due diligence in previous generations to catch the Pokemon that will be accessible in the uh, in the expansion pass, I put that on you, the gamer. Okay, so here's food for thought with that kind of argument, though. Let's say, for some bizarre, bizarre reason, no one in the entire world buys the DLC. So then the only way to get these Pokemon is to transfer them in through Pokemon Home, which... We might not know. It could be a paid service. So in that instance, it could just still be a paywall. The only way to obtain them is to either trade them from the people or to breed them down. So someone has to spend that money. In in order for other people to, to get it, they have to spend that money. And if you want someone else, you have to either know someone or get lucky with some trades or... And that's not accessible for people that maybe not don't have internet or don't live near other players or whatever. Um, See, the internet argument, ah, I find it hard to justify the internet argument. Oh, no, in like in this day and age, yeah. In 2020, but, it is damn near impossible to go anywhere that doesn't have some form of accessible internet for a person. And the Switch consumes so very little processing yeah. power from the internet that my but friend there are still people yes the yeah, i'm, I'm gonna use people. the blizzard activision fiat debacle with diablo don't you guys have phones oh my gosh i'm gonna use that light don't you guys have phone no yeah I'm tether kidding. you know tether you know i know people who ride the bus and use the bus internet to to play their switches when they're out and about like you can go to mcdonald's McDonald's has free wi-fi Mm-hmm. Starbucks free Wi-Fi, like Barnes and Noble free Wi-Fi. Like I understand that it's just that still like the principle of it. Um, there's no real way, and even once you obtain them, you didn't get it yourself. 
the only way to get it yourself is to breed it down. You can't just catch it, which I feel like is part of the joy of Pokemon is actually catching the Pokemon. See, but um, at this point, there were so many complaints about just having a completed, you know, complete Pokedex. Mm-hmm. How did you get your Pokemon in previous generations? You trade them down from from Gen Four up. You, it's pretty trans- much transferring. Yeah. yeah. So this fundamentally doesn't change or alter that that entirely. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that, yeah. It stays the same. You're, you're really not doing. But there's the still only- one that can't come over. Period. Yeah, there's still going to be that. That's what about. Yeah, but, you know, it, to get these new Pokemon, like this paywall argument, you, you, you're either going to transfer them over or you're going to trade for them, and that really doesn't change fundamentally how the game is played mm-hmm. from how it's been played in different generations since Gen 4. Um, I feel like if you do pay for the DLC, you actually get the superior experience mm-hmm. in this. You can catch them, which... Is the you know the more fun accessible way now? I do think that the DLC is. I think the price point is a little high. Even Breath of the Wild's DLC was only twenty dollars, and Smash DLC. You have the option to a la carte it, and now I know like you eventually you'll end up paying more for Smash DLC than you will for any other DLC, uh, but. It's that uh that sense of gratification, you know, that where like if you spend a dollar here or you know five dollars here, you know, you feel like a sense of gratification, like it sets off the endorphins in the brain. So All therefore, right, those right, purchases yeah. don't feel like you you tend to feel less bad about those smaller purchases versus oh well here's thirty bucks all at once. You always those are the purchases you you have like buyer's remorse with is when mm-hmm. you when you make a larger purchase all at once, and I can see. Buyer's remorse really setting in in the interim while you wait for that second half of the DLC. Um, I just do I do want to sort of go back to the um the transferring Pokemon argument. Um, aside from just the whole paywall thing, the thing that just bugs me personally is that these Pokemon were ready to be in the game. They had the models, they had the animations, they had the moves. And less than a year later, they're ready to go. 200 of them, whatever. That's, you know that they could have put them into start. I actually they think there's always been, I, like, I've heard a lot of people say that this is in response to Backlash. I actually think this has always been the plan. This is, Bill, this has definitely always been the plan. And that's the thing that bugs me. Is that, the, like, we didn't have the models or animations. No, you did. They're here right now. And you just proved it. That's what bugs me. So I, yeah. that's all I, mean, I wanted to get off yeah, my chest. I, I can there. see that. I can see people being upset by by like, hey, why why do it like this? But at the same time, like, I f- like how do you justify this content without you can't 200? justify it at all? Yeah. Like without without adding the two hundred Pokemon, can you really justify the content in its entirety, especially the price point? Like, I think these expansions are cool, and, I, and I'm definitely going to, you know, drop the $30 to get mm-hmm. the expansions. Yeah, I'm dropping the 30 I think as far as DLC goes, when you had mentioned it in your predictions, um, you should have just said, like, oh, just be a campaign, an extra campaign as the DLC. And that just doesn't seem, like, worth $30 to me. Well, yeah, you know, uh, when, when, they, when I was just saying campaign, I wasn't envisioning a $30 price point. Yeah. I was thinking more of a $15 to $20 price That's point. That's what I was thinking, or even for last for the national story. And, and we're that's getting... exactly what it is. Like, right now, it's like, it technically is additional campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, right. 
with the caveat that we're going to expand the wild area. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, add new Pokemon, uh, new forms. Uh, we're going to add uh, new legendaries, and we're going to you know bring over two hundred plus Pokemon. I think there when you when you look at the whole package, it is a little bit more justifiable. I just mm-hmm. still think that twenty thirty dollars is. I mean that's half the game. That's essentially mm-hmm. half the game. Will this content be big enough to to say like this is half a game's extra worth of content? And is this just the first expansion release mm-hmm. that you're going to do? Is this something that we should be? They expecting? may have four total or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's a fair I, point. Like in terms of content, it has to be worth half the game. And so if if this thing is going to provide me at least 10 hours of entertainment then i'd say it's probably half the game right there um so so from my perspective um so i forgot my train of thought <laughs> oh yeah so going back to that you know if it's just the campaign it's not worth it but they're sort of getting like content from everywhere like everything is just getting more We're getting more pokemon more clothing items uh more uh, areas to explore a couple new modes Etc. And I think that makes it kind of worth it, just in terms of like the on paper. You know, on paper that sounds like it's worth it. Um, yeah. Especially when it's thirty bucks for both. When you think of sure, there's the waiting period, but you're getting not just one wild area and two and a hundred Pokemon. It's another two hundred Pokemon and a second new area and a whole new like call it mode. That sounds right. like kind of worth it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because wait, hold on. Let, let's back up real quick because I'm getting uh, mixed uh messaging here um from what i understood when i saw the video you pay thirty dollars and you mm-hmm. get both tundra and, and armor yes that's that what correct. i heard yes okay. that's correct okay cool because mm-hmm. to me you're getting both of those zones eh, that's not 30 bucks isn't a bad price point i don't think yeah if, if they're the same size as the current wild area i think that's fine Right, and now, depending on how much like actual story and other content mm-hmm. is there, I, I think that's probably yeah. fine. Now, my other question is, if they had, if they had split the difference between the two, fifteen per region, would that would that upset people as much as the thirty dollars price tag? Once you still essentially pay the exact same price, but doing it separately, so. The, one of my biggest regrets about the Breath of the Wild expansion pass was I did not care for the the DLC the expansion pass one, like it added the the uh, the hard mode which mm-hmm. I, st- I and the uh, the was map that part of just a free update. Nope, really. Nope, okay. nope. You had to get the hard mode. You had to pay okay. for the hard mode, and it also gave you the uh, the hero's path which. Mm-hmm. If you watch your map, it shows you. Uh, it, yeah, where you've either, been. That's right. You could, well, yeah. yeah, in real time, or you could watch it like you know hyperlapsed, and you can mm-hmm. see if you've actually explored one hundred percent of the map of Breath of the Wild. Which all that stuff is neat, but that first half of the oh, it also added the uh, the 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 sword, the sword challenge where you yeah. the gauntlet mode where you could. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Training. Yeah, yeah, so those three things were the first DLC expansion. I found that all to be subpar, specifically because previous Zelda games, a that third quest, that difficult, that that hard difficulty, standard, that gauntlet mm-hmm. mode, standard in Twilight Princess. Uh, 
and that map that the the hero's path that just shows you where you've been and, and how long it took that that's just a quality free. of life feature yeah yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah all those things all those features two of them standard in other zelda games the third shouldn't have cost me jack shit all right that's but fair i paid 20 dollars, which the breakdown of that would be 10 for this dlc 10 for that dlc and I know Mario After Party hates it when I make this argument because he's like, no, it's all one. But no, essentially when you release them, to me, it's like if you release them separately with that much time apart, the way that math breaks down, th- th- you're telling me this content is worth $10 and this content separately is worth $10. And A, yes, is that first part of the, co- is that DLC, that first $10 that I would have spent on Breath of the Wild, I wouldn't have paid for that. I wouldn't have paid for that DLC personally. Mm-hmm. I would not pay for the hard mode. I would not pay for the the the, tr- the awakening of the of the master sword. master sword. And I wouldn't pay for that hero's path. I would not have paid for that. You made me pay for that because I wanted the story content that the second half of the DLC provided me with. This is a little bit different because I feel like you're getting story content in both expansion mm-hmm. passes, but I feel like if you charge me $15 to let me, you know, for the first DLC, and then I could determine, oh, this is really good content, or this is not great content, and I don't have to purchase the second, the Crown Tundra, if I don't want it, because I now know that I didn't enjoy the, the content that you provided me with in the first go-round of DLC. And they're not, from what they've shown, they're not too dissimilar in how they will function, with the exception of the co-op rates. Mm-hmm. So I should I feel like if Nintendo had broke it down into two separate DLCs with two separate price points, you can still charge $30, but the $15 price point allows a player to determine whether or not this content is truly worth it. I feel like there'd be less backlash to the to the to the DLC, the expansion pass, if they had done it like that. Hmm. Personally, like I said, it's because people it's it's just the way retail works. People feel mm-hmm. less buyer's remorse when they pay less. For something, but when they have to pay up front for something, especially if something that they can't have access to, they immediately have buyer's remorse. And now I know a bunch of people who will not who will not pre-purchase this content because first off, they have to wait for both parts. We're waiting for June for the mm-hmm. first part, but they won't pre-purchase it until the second part. They won't I know people that will not make the purchase until both are available. Because yeah. like if I'm gonna pay for it, I want access to it all. And yeah. personally, in, in most things in life, that's me. Unless I can have all the content immediately, I will not buy it. But for this, it's a little bit different because I know all my friends are going to purchase this and I'm going to want to play with them immediately. But I will not pre-purchase this content until a week out. When we have a very specific release date, a week before that date is when I will make that purchase. But again, if I had the option... I would spend the $15 to buy the first part and make the determination of whether or not it's truly riveting content for me to have to make that second purchase. Um, so I do also want to talk about how this is in place of, so normally in a generation of Pokemon, you get Pokemon Sun and Moon and Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and you get these secondary versions of the same game. Uh, these DLCs are in place of those versions so we are not getting uh sun or sword 2 and shield 2 or ultra seal shield ultra sword these are what we're getting in place of it which i think is kind of cool 
I think this is a natural evolution for that system because buying the ultimate version or the deluxe, the third, whatever, um, is is outdated. Like Sims used to do that kind of, and that's just annoying. I hate it. Uh, so this is cool. I only have to buy the games once, and then I buy expansions to get the full game, quote unquote. Um, and I think that's cool. If you compare it to the 3DS game, like era, um, in the 3DS era, you would pay 40 bucks for Pokemon Sword or for Pokemon Sun, let's say. If you want both, you pay 80. Now then, two years later, whatever, uh, the deluxe version, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon come out. 40 bucks for each of those as well. So while base games, they are 40 bucks each, but for the you know, whole entire second game, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, it's another 40, which is $10 less than than these expansions for both of the expansions I, together. I, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as mm-hmm. the the third tier game, the enhanced version of being antiquated. I do like the fact that this is a continuation of the current adventure that you are mm-hmm. going on uh, in Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield. Uh also, it's like it's it's getting harder to justify the third iteration of the game. Like mm-hmm. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are by far the worst expanded yeah. editions that they have ever made. They, yeah. they added so yeah. very little. They added so very little to to the third tier experience. Like Black and White 2 was a significant um, they were sequels. Yeah, they were direct, yeah, yeah. fantastic direction to take it. Yeah, right. And they were they were significant. Um, Pokemon Platinum, a significant third iteration, mm-hmm. adding the uh, the whole underworld. I wanted to call it the upside down, the You're negative right. yeah. dimension. I don't know. Uh, like I want to call it the upside down. I'm thinking about Stranger Things. Uh, Pokemon Hell, Pokemon Yellow, completely changed. It remixed Gen One, yeah, basically, yeah. to fit the more, anime. More similar to the anime. Um, mm-hmm. Crystal was the exact same game though, but uh, they had a couple yeah, new things. As a female, yeah, that's like the big thing, and they changed breeding mechanics ever so slightly. Well, also, Crystal, Crystal had the functions that it could connect to the internet if you lived in Japan by mm-hmm. connecting to a, a cell phone. Right. Yeah, and to be fair, like we didn't get that here, but from a more objective standpoint, that was pretty big for like fucking 1999. Yeah. So that that's a big deal. Yeah. But that didn't change so, the core game as no. much. No, but if you look at like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them, but as far as content that they added to the series, they did so very little to mm-hmm. to improve upon that generation. The difficulty wasn't increased. I felt like Black and White Two were a little bit harder than Black and White, you know, one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, no, I agree with that. Black yeah. and White Two felt like a new experience. From black and white one. Yeah, and dude, they changed like half the gym leaders in black and white too. Right, right. Uh, it, it definitely felt like a different game. So it, it's weird to like to 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 see, you know, and I don't know if it's because the design team was the younger staff at Grain Freak who did Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Like it was clearly the B team that worked on that game. They stated as much. I hate to call them the B team, but that's what you guys are. You're the B team. While the A team was working on this game, you were working on that game. So, uh, one thing you mentioned with, with the whole B team, also that I kind of do like with the DLC approach, is that the B team is making the DLC, and the main guys are working on the next next Pokemon. 
See, and I'm, I think, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that sounds gr- like a great, smart way to do it. Yeah, and, give them give them smaller projects mm-hmm. for them to work on that build upon what's pre-existing. Yes. This is. All the stuff that we're seeing in these expansion passes are building upon things that exist mm-hmm. within the core of the game itself. Yeah. And now we don't need a third iteration to tell that. Mm-hmm. And, and right. let them do a smaller project like that. Yeah, it takes away less resources because they get to use the you know the resources that are available to them currently. It's not going to cost them too too much to build it. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes your primary designers and puts and lets them focus on, on the new stuff, uh, on new content. Yes, I love this generations. approach. Yeah, and when when you think about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, those honestly could have just been DLC for all they've added in, like. We got like what a couple of ultra beasts, which could have been put into a new, different ultra beast campaign that could have take, built upon how the ultra beast campaign ended in the first game. And you had what two new areas, like a Pikachu palace or something, meadow, yeah. and some other place. And it's like, okay, well, you could have just added those like whole two new wild areas. Well, like you know, doing now, and th- that's what kind of upset me about the uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is I had. Anticipate when when they announced that, those games, I was anticipating the exact treatment that Black and White got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they and, gave them two different versions instead of uh, Emerald or Platinum. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Like you, you, you gave me expectations mm-hmm. that that were not fulfilled, and it, it may not have been your intention to give me those expectations. But you've only done two versions of a game simultaneously coming out. Once before, black and white and uh, black and white too. And you could make the argument that on the Goopy Alpha Sapphire were Gen 6's version, but those were just entire remakes. And so I think those also count with the same expectations. Right. Well, you know, so like I'm sitting here from my perspective, I'm like, is it the what changes am I going to see to the uh, the Alola region? In my mind, I thought. Time was gonna pass, and there were in like the the gym leader mm-hmm. the challenges would. I'm sorry, the uh, the the trials would have become gym leaders. No more right, yeah. Conference, gym leaders because there would have been some kind of evolution. But mm-hmm. no, there's an official Pokemon League now. Yeah. So now they have to have gyms, right? Right. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. But they didn't do that. It's the same story. Mm-hmm. Nothing has really changed. Necrozma's more important, yeah, <laughs> which he just felt so out of place in the first one. Yeah, and see, you know, that's where I stand, point, stand from in that entire, like, uh, third game or whatever, is I don't think Ultra Sun and Moon should have even existed. Which is I think it was a shitty cash grab that was built upon a shitty Pokemon title. Honestly, because the worst part about uh, Sun and Moon was that the base games felt sort of incomplete with the whole, well, what does Necrozma do? And, like, and just, like, something with X and Y, honestly. Like, why is Zygarde? We still have answers to the Zygarde, which were supposed to be answered in, in Sun and Moon. And it's like, well, it's everything it's, just felt incomplete about Gen with, 6 and Gen 7. X and and y, other could, games didn't even fix them. With X and Y, you could clearly see that they were building a Z. Mm-hmm. That never, yeah, that never came to fruition. Yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, even still, I felt like X and Y had a better overall package. Mm-hmm. Than Sun I and agree. Moon. Fucking Sun and Moon, you get yeah. to the end, and the fucking gym li- or trial person's like, oh, 
Oh, I'm busy yeah. right now doing my dumb mm-hmm. artist bullshit. So here, just take the badge. Let me get- Yeah, what? like they really just kind of dropped the ball at the end, and they never like, really gave it closure what? either. And that was what really fucked me up. You know what keeps what keeps bothering me is that she keeps showing up in other Pokemon games. She's yeah. Oh in yeah. Radio, she's in Let's uh, Go. Yeah. Yeah, she's in the Let's Go games, uh, which bothers mm-hmm. me. I mean, she's younger, but she shows up in those games, which yeah infuriates me. You know, but mm-hmm. like to be fair to, to to be fair to Sun and Moon, I enjoyed them. When they, I enjoyed them when they first released. It's only in hindsight that I can pick apart like the challenges of that game and 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 the the flaws. Like looking back on it, what three years later, I'm like, these are the things that I dislike about the generation, and here are the things that I do like. I do like the trial captains. The trial yeah. captains were great. Olivia, uh, my heart. Except for one. Um, but yeah, I mean. Aside from aside from all that, I again going back to the to removing the third tier, mm-hmm. it's needed to happen for a little while, and maybe they they might have come to that realization when they didn't drop Pokemon Z, or whatever they were working on that would have serviced as a third tier for X and Y, mm-hmm. and, and clearly, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon showcased that like. If you're not going to put the proper effort into making the third, the third game, that you need to move unilaterally move into a new direction. Like, and that's what this DLC is is really highlighting. There is, here's a new direction with the utilizing the new the new technologies available to us on a system like the Switch. DLC much harder on the 3DS. Can we all agree about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, it existed, but it was just not accessible. Well, because you know the file restrictions that Nintendo mm-hmm. had with the with the DS and the 3DS probably would have been a nightmare to expand upon it. Plus, yeah. everything getting saved to the cartridge instead of getting saved to the base system itself. Yeah. DLC probably a a physical nightmare because you yeah. have to admit, especially with games like Pokemon Sun and Moon and X and Y, which were clearly mm-hmm. pushing the boundaries of what the 3DS could do. Like look like 3D was so taxing on Pokemon X and Y. Oh yeah. There is no 3D in Sun and Moon. And with with that with that extra space that they gained from not doing 3D, they fill to the brim in uh, Sun and Moon. And then for some reason even that's taxing because the frame rate issues and and the way Sun and Moon play are they're pretty bad. Like so and, and it comes down to compression. Game Freak has terrible compression techniques and building yeah. character models for Lily every time she shows up in a new area is pretty asinine. So I've I've talked about the thing before, but also the whole frame rate shit, especially in battle, ticks me off now more than ever because the reason why a lot of the bigger models of Pokemon lagged the game was because they were made future-proofed with more polygons than they needed on the 3DS. So that when they jumped the switch, they could be there, and then they didn't fucking use them because they cut half of them. Yeah, and but... it's like, why did I suffer through bad frame rates in the sun and moon? No, if you're not gonna do that shit. Yeah, I could have just told you, dust don't bother to suffer through ultra sun and ultra moon. Yeah, it would have like, saved you an entire generation because they were bad. That's kind of what I just ended up doing, and it's tragic. But like, it because it would make sense if they made the models properly so they'd work on the 3ds, right? And then made the models and then said, hey, we can't make this many models. Sorry. 
that's understandable then. I, I get it. But well, I don't know. I'm just back on my I'm back on my bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like this is this is what we do. Now, again, like I do like to, to to reiterate, I do like the fact that they they're with this expansion pass set, they're removing the necessity for third tier and having a more complete experience in a singular in a single title is far more appealing to me uh than than the third tier. Will yeah. I miss the third tier stuff? Yes, because that means by doing this you you are now removing the annualization that Pokemon has come to experience. We have not completely, but we've almost annualized Pokemon releases in in mm-hmm. some way. There's always main game followed by remake game followed by third tier game right which is the enhanced version of the current generation so we've by doing that they've managed to annualize them to an extent mm-hmm. by doing this by doing expansion passes we remove the annualization of pokemon so we're going to be heavily relying on the expansion passes and the uh the the remake game to really carry you know, a whole lot of extra weight. So th- yeah, that makes me think that these DLCs have to be fairly expansive to to justify removing a whole extra form of money making. Yeah, because mm-hmm. what what's a 3ds game cost between thirty and forty dollars? Right? Forty dollars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually uh, forty, but I thought some of them Pokemon were upwards at 40. fifty towards the end of the life cycle, weren't they? Pokemon games were just straight 40 at retail. MSRP okay. was 40. So, for so they're actually not taking too much of a loss to release $30 DLC. Mm-hmm. Right? So financially, they they should be able to run similarly as to how they are now and, and gain you know mm-hmm. profit by doing the DLC instead of releasing a whole new third tier game. Mm-hmm. And the game is $20 more base than it was back then as well. So also think exactly, about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're, mm-hmm. they're not only are they breaking even, but they're profiting an extra ten when all yeah. is said and done. The big thing that I see from this though is that as DLC, you can't market it as well. And like all oh, holidays, the Ultra Sun Ultra Moon came out. Parents will buy that for their children. Disagree. I disagree with that argument. When Splatoon one, mm-hmm. Splatoon one unveiled its August update. They had TV commercials for the August update. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's because, a lot harder to yeah, market. You you, can, they're still to market the shit out of this. But it's a whole lot harder for a kid or even a parent to ask for a non-tangible. True. You can't ask for the update, but you know it exists. It's funny, too, because I remember it was what, when that commercial came on, I was watching The Walking Dead and the mm-hmm. Splatoon August update commercial. Very... That's polar opposites. You know, I don't know. I have to disagree with that from some standpoint. And this is just speculation because I don't have uh, a kid. I don't have any kids that I know of, first of all. Uh, But um, (laughs) okay, they're not. uh, That's good. Yeah. But um, I'm sure. Yeah, she does. Right. Yeah. Oh, that'd be terrible if like next year. Papa, I'd be like, what the fuck? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> continue. Um, part of me suspects that the youth of this generation is, is actually more things. receptive to mm-hmm. digital shit because yeah, uh, this is what I mean. Sure. 
they've been playing Fortnite for years. What's the biggest seller in Fortnite? Skins. V-Bucks, there yeah. are kids who are like, hey, mm-hmm. mom, dad, can I have 20, 30 bucks so I can buy these shitty Fortnite skins? And the parents are like, sure, that's your like birthday present or mm-hmm. whatever. So part of me kind of wonders if the modern generation of of kids is just more uh, accustomed to they uh, are for kind sure. of like a gift so but i don't know um so under that know. argument does that mean this is for the pokemon company for game freak and for nintendo does that mean that an expansion pass over a third tier game is this the right call for them to make in 2020 oh yeah i so, think so a hundred percent uh, partially because I think that there are fans like like me that are burnt that that did get burned from the debacle that was Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. If they had released a uh, an Ultra Sword and Ultra Shield, I would not have purchased it because Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were so fucking bad. They were terrible, and that is the hill that I am going to die on. I didn't even finish <laughs> the game. I put in like four hours because that's usually my litmus test: four to five hours of any mm-hmm. game. And I, I didn't. I was like, I'm done. This, there is nothing different here. I stopped at the sixth gym. Um, you got further than I did. Going, I stopped at like route one. <laughs> I got to the first city. I was like, no, this is it's so bad. Um, but so I think that yeah, the new generation are accustomed to it, and but they're the first of their kind, right? And only like the first handful that are older enough, like that have their jobs, their beginner jobs, can purchase this themselves. So I, I going back to that for, very Fortnite example, I'll, I'll be in GameStop just grabbing things at GameStop, and I hear parents, my kid wants some um, um, V Bucks. How do I, how do I get V Bucks? And parents, the ones <laughs> who are buying these, don't know how to purchase them. Right. I think it's easier if they have like a car, like the Octo expansion. You can go to GameStop and buy a little physical card that has a download code for it, and that's great. V Bucks are the exact same way, but if Pokemon will have that probably, but they, and they probably sure will. Yet. Yeah. They probably will. If they don't, that's fucked. Um, because then they're losing those parents. But it's a whole lot easier for a parent to just, oh, Christmas shopping. I know my kid likes Pokemon. They see the newest one on the shelf with the actual, like, not the cards that like they understand I buy this game. That right. Makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. I think from like the old person who buys for their kids, it's still bad. And it's still just harder to market a tangible. And something that's not tangible. True. You can still market it. People still understand it, but it's just right. slightly less. It's just a barrier to entry for obtaining that product. Oh, yeah, so I 100% agree. I think it'll still make the money for sure. Right. But it will be a bit harder, especially when, like, the holiday season approaches, the new Pokemon things are in stores. Right. It, it just draws that better, I feel. Right. No, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. But I think that that demographic you're talking about is also shrinking. They're no yeah. longer mom and dad. They're grandma and grandpa yeah. or great grandma oh, and yeah, great like, grandpa. This is, like, the very so, first. Like, right. Right. generation nine like it'll it'll be oh yeah for sure like this makes sense now but oh yeah right now it's like it's the very beginning of that kind of thought process and still tangibleness i feel like is an issue still true that but yeah that's all all I right say. so i think that is a good place to go ahead and wrap up we are officially at the two hour mark and i want to keep these shows around this area because i think it just works better for the format anyway guys Final thoughts on Mystery Dungeon and the expansion pass. Uh, who wants to go first? Um, they added Slowpoke to, to the expansion pass, and so I'm already happy about that. Adding new Pokemon, as you know, 
as weird and upset these people are, it's kind of nice where you can see, oh, that Pokemon's coming back. Yes, yeah, so you get excited about these things. The content all looks great. It's all the content, new outfits, new regions, new whatever. I'm about I'm about that. Uh, I thought you already know I'm about Mystery Dungeon, though. Don't even need to talk about that. I love that. I need to play the demo. Slowpoke, come on, right now. But yeah. All right, Jaden, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I, I mentioned it before. I am a bit uh curious and bummed out that they're not releasing a new Mystery Dungeon title because that's what I honestly would have wanted is is a new installment. Um, but I am I am excited for the fact that we are seeing a Mystery Dungeon. I was actually wondering about this the other month. Is where is the next Mystery Dungeon? I kind of want to play Mystery Dungeon right now. Um, so I'm stoked for that. Uh, I think that the expansions are at the right price point, and I think that this is a good direction overall um, in terms of handling new content this way. Mm -hmm. And um, I look forward to uh, pre-ordering and playing them. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap this part up. I like the DLC. I know I made a lot of counterpoints. Like I was... Uh, Trying to play a little bit of the contrarian this yeah, episode. I was I trying to do a little devil's advocate, you know. Mm -hmm. But personally, I like what the DLC means. I like what it stands for. I like what they're doing with the DLC. The wild area is by far my favorite thing about Pokemon Sword and Shield. If you look at my playtime, I think I'm at around 80 hours. More than oh, half yeah. of, more than half of that time was wild area. And now that I've beaten the game, continues to be wild area because now I am raiding with all my friends, uh, and that's that's the fun of the game. And I was really skeptical on how raids would work and how they would feel initially, but now it's what I come to the game for. I turn on the game every day. I check the wild area. I do raids. I call Mario after party. Let's do some raids. What the hell? Why don't you call us? Because <laughs> you guys are awake at weird hours, and so am I. I'm pretty much always awake. Uh, like so, let me let me go to my home menu <laughs> real quick. Stop doing slowpoke stuff. Um. Go to my my sword and shield playtime, <laughs> real quick. Um, I don't want to. Four hundred seventy-five hours right now. Jesus. About four hundred of those are probably in the wild area. I think you got a shiny problem. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm only at eighty hours. I've only at eighty hours, but like I said, more than half of it, at least sixty of it, is uh, just me in the water. And I I love the fact that you're expanding that not once but twice. So right. you know. And the fact that they are, the whole region will function as wild area. It's mm -hmm. you have complete camera control, all the other content that they're gonna do, the new Gilarian forms, all that stuff. Love it. Yes. Ultimately, do I think this is a good price point? Do I think this is good content? Is this the right direction for Pokemon in 2020 and beyond? 100% agree with that. I like this stuff. I want more of it but I want it to be spaced out. And I, I kind of hope that this isn't the only expansion pass that they do. Now that might be like blasphemous to the people who are angry, but if they just find, keep finding ways to expand upon the wild area with new experiences, I'm all about that. As I'd be down to get a Kalos expansion. Oh, hell yeah. Just uh, add Kalos. <laughs> yeah. Or I'd be down for Johto or Hoenn as well. Smaller. And instead of giving us Gen 4 remakes... Give us Gen 4 DLC. <laughs> I, I take that. Uh, as far as Mystery Dungeon is concerned, I'm a little bit more on the fence with Mystery Dungeon. I do think 
that Pokemon needs to get away from mobile titles and back into spinoff titles. I mm-hmm. think they were. I think we had a golden age of spinoff titles with uh, Pokemon Conquest, Pokemon uh, Ranger, and the Pokemon. The era was golden. Yes. Yes. We got Pokemon Dash in that era, so maybe not actually. <laughs> no, but I do think they found oh. a nice, a nice like you know area for themselves when it came mm-hmm. to spinoff games. And I'm gonna throw Pokemon Snap. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that as part of like spinoff games that I want back. I I, I think we we're sorely in need of a spinoff game. That's why I thought Detective mm-hmm. Pikachu was the right content when it came out. It's the right content for the right time, and it was a good way to expand upon the Pokemon franchise without watering it down the way that the mobile games do. So mm-hmm. it, while I am happy to see the Mystery Dungeon franchise come back, I am conflicted in the format that is coming back in. Like Jaden said, I would have preferred a new game. Also, I'm not sure how I feel about how the game looks aesthetically right now. I've played the demo twice, and I still feel somewhat conflicted about the, the art style. Um, I prefer this in art style and content to... Gates to Infinity. If we got another Gates to Infinity as a new title, I'd just be uh, give me give me the remake of, of Red Team, you know? So that's where I stand. I feel like I'd prefer this and they fuck up a new title. I can see that, but like I prefer the sprites, the sprite work of the yeah, in the game. Were- so yeah, it, I mean hopefully by the time this game like launches, it'll grow on me because I the that's the one thing about a remake game, like you only do a remake game if it's a proven commodity, and the Mystery Dungeon franchise is a proven commodity and you can't get away with releasing this game because it is, it is a really good game. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. going to be about how I visually perceive the game going forward. Uh, yeah, they also do like a Dragon Quest and they have like options to use sprites and the new models. I would love that. That would be, be super legit. That mm-hmm. would be really good. You can sell but it yeah. to the DLC for it and still probably buy it. Yeah, I'd probably spend like two or three bucks on that easily. Yeah, just the sprites. The sprite work in that game was so good. It was really good. Uh, right. Now, but with that, guys, let's go ahead and throw out these social media links. You can hit me up on Twitter at nice193. You can email me nice193 at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Powerzone. If you're a fan of this podcast, you can download new episodes on iTunes, Google Play Music, stream episodes on Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. But if you want to watch the live version of the show like you're doing right here, right now, youtube.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. Guys. All right. You can hit me up at Blues on Twitter. Same thing with uh, my Twitch channel and uh, YouTube. At BKingBluesBlues, as always, spelled B-L-O-O-Z. You can find me um, on Twitter or basically any social media thing um, at Jaden Winsong. That's 90% chance. It's probably me. Um, full transparency. Still trying to figure out the YouTube thing. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the Discord thing. So uh, again, feel free to chime in on the comments below if there is any other sort of platform that you use that you would like us to move to, um, or how you'd like to see our Discord kind of develop. If that's something that you guys are interested in, still trying to fe- check the, the check the pulse there, and uh, and yeah. Oh yeah, last but not least, twitch.tv slash Nintendo Power Zone. I always forget the Twitch. <laughs> always forget the Twitch. Uh, and guys, we'll be back in two weeks. I have a plan for the next episode. A plan. In, in case it's a very news-light couple of weeks, we have a plan and a theme. You guys are just going to have to come back here, check us out to find out what it's about. But I promise you, it's going to be a really good episode. 
It uh, might be the Nintendo, not Nintendo, the uh, Serial Zone. Just oh, saying, or maybe. maybe not. You'll have to check. You have to watch. Serial Power out. Zone. Zero power zone. That's what we're doing. Something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. That's the logo I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them too much. All right, but with that, a little taste, a little taste of some fruity pebbles, you know. Mm. All right, but with that, the trail of lucky charms. We'll be back in two weeks. So as always, guys, remember to stay fresh. Right? Deuces. <laughs>